Awesome. Well, we're going to go uh, into part five of Teach Us to Pray. And while we do, we're going to be again in Luke 11, Matthew chapter 6. A lot of you are asking, Jabin, when are we going back to church? When can we start gatherings again? Well, we are uh, taking our time, obviously, and we're listening to our governor. We're waiting uh, to hear from our health officials. As you know, here in Nevada, we're in phase two of like 50, I think. I don't know how many phases there are, but I just know we're in phase two. How many fa- I don't know how many phases there are, but we're in two. And in phase two, we can have groups of 50, and that's it. And we, we cannot do church with groups of 50 on Sunday. Uh, it would just, it would, it, we couldn't do it. So we're waiting to see what phase three will be and uh, what those kind of numbers are going to look like. And hopefully in phase three, we can start church again on Sundays. And so that is the prayer. That is the goal. And so as long as we can do it in a safe way and in a way where people feel comfortable to come, uh, we will start church in phase three. But again, depending on what phase three is, we don't know. And uh, we're waiting uh, with bated breath to hear from our governor. But y'all, we're not in a hurry because we want to make sure that we give you an amazing experience and a safe experience. And um, here's the reality. I'm going to be in Vegas in 30 years, so I'm not in a hurry uh, today because I'm not going anywhere. So we're going to take our time. City Light's not going anywhere, and um, we're just going to trust the Lord together. Amen. And so thank you for being patient, though, with us. And uh, we're, all, we're all on a journey together. I've never pastored through a pandemic, and... Um, So we're taking it day by day, but thank you for that. Thank you for being gracious. Teach us to pray. We're in part five. Again, the disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11, verse one, Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted to learn to pray like Jesus because they knew if they could learn to pray like Jesus, they could live like Jesus. And let me just tell you that right here, that that your whole life is so interwoven, so connected to your prayer life. If you pray the wrong prayers, you're going to live the wrong life. That your view of God and that your, 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 literally your theology is affecting every part of who you are. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now Jesus answers them and he clearly gives an amazing answer through Luke 11, but especially in Matthew 5, he really goes into detail And he begins to teach them about prayer. And then he gives them a model to pray, not just a religious thing that we are to pray every day over and over and over again, but rather a model that we are to learn how to pray. And he begins in verse nine, in this manner, therefore pray our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we've gone that far so far. Here's the new stuff. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Jesus said in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I want to talk today from the subject, the freedom only forgiveness gives. The freedom that only forgiveness gives gives. Father, we come now to your word. We're hungry, we're desperate, and we're open. Like we learned last week, we want all of Jesus. We want every part of your word. We want to consume 
the entire meal. So we're coming with humble hearts today. We're, we're leaving the cares of this week. We're leaving the pain of this week. We're leaving the pressures of this week. And we're leaving the fears about tomorrow. We're leaving all that at the door for a moment. And we now open our heart to the word of God, to a heavenly father who loves us so much. Speak now and feed us the bread of life, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Thank you, Zach. Amen. Jesus now leads us into this moment of our prayer. Now, again, this this is a prayer journey. So we don't start with forgive us our debts. You don't start your prayer with, well, God, uh, you know what happened last night and, uh, and start with shame. You actually build to a moment of prayer where there can actually be deliverance and freedom that's established in your life. Are you hearing me? Because a lot of people just talk to God when they feel like they've really made a mistake and they want forgiveness and then they keep moving. They, they haven't worshiped God. They haven't loved on God. They haven't received God's love. They haven't invited his kingdom. They haven't surrendered to his will. They haven't eaten of the bread of heaven. They, they, they've gone straight to, Lord, I'm really sorry that I messed up last night. And because of that, there's no power and there's no freedom and there's no deliverance because we went right to that spot and we've skipped over all of these amazing steps to get to the point where your faith is finally built enough to go, and you know what, God, this junk that I've been settling for in my life, I'm done with it. That's why you're not free yet. That's why you're still addicted. That's why you're still bound, because you have not followed the path. You you haven't taken the journey of prayer. Remember, this is a journey that we're on. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And so now if I can spend time with the Father, if I can invite his will and kingdom in my life, if I, can, if I can eat from the bread of heaven, I've now gone down a journey where I'm finally to the point where I go, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I want to deal with this issue in my life. I want to deal with these debts. 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 Jesus called them debts. Uh, no doubt interesting terminology for us in 2020 it doesn't really make sense to us. So it's important to remember that the Lord's Prayer or our Father, whatever you want to call it, it's become tradition to us. We, we, we've heard it since we were children. But everything that Jesus said was considered radical and a totally different approach to God than the first century Jews. Let me just say that again because you got to realize this is why, if you don't get it, you're reading the Bible and Jesus will say something and all of a sudden everybody wants to kill him. And you're like, what did he just? It didn't sound that bad. Because this was radically different than the approach that the first century Jews, than the scribes, than the rabbis, than, uh, than the Pharisees and the Sadducees had towards God. This was so radically different. So when Jesus starts talking about prayer, we've heard the Our Father so many times that we, we don't see the power of it. But when Jesus is saying this 2,000 years ago, this is a radical and revolutionary call to God. You just, you have to get that in your mind and you have to understand that every time Jesus speaks in the gospels, people are literally rejoicing 
And people are so angry. I mean, every message Jesus taught was so polarizing. Jesus came to bring peace. He did, but with a sword. <laughs> ah, I feel like I could camp there, but we're going to keep moving. So, so the Pharisees believed that they were guilty before a holy God, the, the teachers of the law of the time. They, they knew that God was holy and they knew that they were guilty. So they believed that they owed a debt to God. So what they would do is they would do good works in order to minimize the debt. So they would do things like memorize the scripture. They had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Not just the names, the actual like every word. Some of you are like, Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, Revelation. No. They had to memorize word by word. They fasted twice a week. They tithed on everything. Historians tell us that they didn't just tithe their finances. They would tithe their finances. Then they would go to the grocery store, buy groceries, and then tithe off their groceries. Jesus said, y'all are tithing on your mint and your herbs. Think about this. So in their giving, in their prayers, in their fasting, in their, in their scripture reading, good works on and on. But they never knew if they did enough. Therefore, they kept creating rules that would hopefully appease God. We, we see some of that, and there's so many that we can't get into. But like one, for example, is when Jesus said, man, the scripture says to honor your father and mother. But instead of taking care of your parents, you're giving that money to the temple. In other words, you're like trying to outrighteous my own righteousness that I put upon you. Like, I'm not going to take care of my parents. I'm just going to give even more to the kingdom. Jesus is like, yeah, but, but the scripture is honor your father and mother. They were like trying to outdo God. Because when you're religious, you never know if you're doing enough. Therefore, you're always putting more upon yourself. We're talking about debts. So they believed that God's standard was, was here. And they believed that they were here. Like pretty good, just not perfect. And then they hoped that the good works would fill the gap. And so all that they did, they believed was paying a debt that they owed to God. By the way, there is not a scripture in the Old Testament for them to believe that. This was stuff that they added to it. This is why Jesus said, you don't know the scripture. And he's talking to men that had the first five books of the Bible memorized. And he said, y'all don't know the scripture. Because they had added so much to it that they could no longer even see the truth of it. This is the problem, by the way, with all religions. And this is the problem with moralism. You never know if you've done enough. So you just keep trying harder. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of church people I know. <laughs> no rest, no grace, no mercy, just works. And the reason that it seems like you're never doing enough, the reason you feel spiritually exhausted, 
is because you can't do enough. I just feel like I never measure up, preacher. Yeah, dog, that's the point. Because this first century group of teachers got to the point where they thought they were measuring up. So they would, they would say things like, well, I've never, I've never committed adultery. And Jesus was like, yeah, but like, have you ever lusted? And they're like, well, maybe. And he's like, yeah, that's like adultery. <laughs> so if you're going to lust, you better poke your eye out. What, what was Jesus doing? He was taking them to their own extreme thinking. Hey, man, if you're dealing with lust, you should cut your hands off just to be safe. Yeah, Jesus doesn't want us poking our eyes out or cutting our hands off. Hello. He was speaking their own language of extremism, of self-hate, and of hate towards their brother. And he goes, you're missing this whole thing. You think this is about do's and don'ts. This is about the heart. This is about having a soft heart towards God. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount goes so extreme that people have got to throw their hands up and go, I can't do that. And he's like, yeah, for real, you can't. But that's why I'm here. You're, you're not going to be able to pay off the debt with good works. I'm going to come and pay the debt that you could not pay. Pay the price you could not pay. Even if you went on a cross, it wouldn't be enough because you've sinned. So perfect blood is going to have to go to that cross and pay the ultimate price. Are you getting this, friend? (sighs) This is why Jesus offers us forgiveness of our debts. Their teaching do enough to pay the debt. And Jesus shows up on the scene going, I'm offering you debt cancellation. Prove it, preacher. Okay. I heard you. You're in your pajamas. I heard you. Luke chapter four, Jesus shows up and he goes, I've come to declare the year of Jubilee. What's Jubilee? It was the year where all debts were canceled. It was the year where all the slaves went free. It was the year when everyone went back to a level playing field. Jesus said, I've come to declare the year of Jubilee. I've come to cancel debt. Not, I'm not asking you to pay for your debts. I'm asking you to trust me to forgive your debts. Jesus quoted that from Isaiah 61, and then he goes, this scripture's been fulfilled today, guys. And you know what they did? They tried to kill him. Read your Bible. Jesus goes, guys, there's forgiveness of sin. This is the year of Jubilee. And they went, let's throw him over the hill. Let's kill him. This is better. I mean, this is like, this, this is awesome. There's good stuff in here. Think about it. So let me just remind you of who you are in Christ. Colossians chapter one, verse 12 through 14, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Who qualifies us? The Father. Not a trick question. (laughs) Y'all ever been in one of those sermons? You're like, the Father? No! (laughs) You're like, oh! That's what it said. 
the Father who qualified you. My works don't qualify me. The Father qualifies me to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Think about this. God does the qualifying, not us. The father does the qualifying, not our works. That's why we got to start with our father. Because the Father is the only one who can do this. See, you gotta, we're, we're coming to a point of prayer now where our faith is being built. And now we can come to the point where we can say, God, forgive me of my sin. I'm, I'm ready to deal with this. God does the rescuing. God does the bringing into the kingdom of light. We don't do it. God does it. I've said it a thousand times. Let me say it again. Grace does the heavy lifting. So now, so, we're, so, so condemnation, be gone. Religion, be gone. But now I am in the kingdom of light. I am a child of God. I am a believer. I have been qualified by the Father. And now that I'm confident in that, listen to me. My works do matter. Did you hear Jesus forgive our debts? Not my sin, our sin. Not my debt, but our debt, our trespass, our sin. Okay, you have to capture this now because this is how you get ruthless with secret sin. When you finally come to the point that you know that we're connected. Sin is so less appetizing to me when I know that my sin will affect the body of Christ. I'm a lot less tempted to lust when that's my sister in the Lord. and we're children of God and 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 this little moment of temptation is bigger than us because we're connected to a family so it's not just my sin or my secret it's our sin and now I can get serious about it because I know that it's bigger than me Well, preacher, you know, people will say things like, well, if it's not hurting anyone, how can it be wrong? You've missed the whole point, friend. Once you say yes to Christ, we are in a family. This is why the apostle Paul would say, if one hurts, we all hurt. This is serious. So I, sin begins to lose its power. Temptation begins to lose its power because I'm interconnected to a family now. And I know that, it, and I'm not just talking about me as a preacher, I'm talking about every person. That it is affecting the family of God negatively, therefore I can get dead serious about sin. I hope you're catching this. 
if I can come to the point where I go, this isn't just my sin, it's our sin. Now I can boldly stand against it. And I'm now, it's losing its grip on me. See, I, I think twice now. Because anything I put up with from the devil, any, any, anything I put up with, and this, no condemnation, don't worry, don't worry. I'm just telling you how serious, I'm forgiven, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And so are you if you're a follower of Jesus. But I take sin seriously because it doesn't just affect me, it affects my wife. And it affects my daughter. And then it affects my friends. And then it affects our staff. And then it affects our volunteers. And then it affects our church. And then it affects the however many thousand people who follow this ministry. So I take it seriously because it's not my sin. It's our It'll actually empower you. See, we've, we've preached personal relationship with Jesus. Personal relationship with Jesus. And, I, and I'm guilty of it. And I'm not guilty of it because I think it's good. Because you should have a personal relationship with Jesus. But I'm also really nervous of so many people who walk around going, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And they're not in church. And they have no Christian community. So if your personal relationship with Jesus is leading you away from the family of God, the best I can tell, this Jesus brings me right into our family. And now I got to be accountable. So God, forgive us of our sin. See, just as I talk about it, you're now feeling the magnitude of, oh, yeah. I shouldn't be, I ain't trying to play games. I ain't trying, uh-uh. Oh, no. This isn't a joke. I'm not, I'm not afraid of God, but sin scares me because I've seen it wreck enough of my friend's life to go, mm-mm, I've seen doubt and unbelief wreck people, uh-uh. I've seen immorality. I've seen, I've, uh-uh. But, I, but I'm, I'm, part of a, I'm part of a family. And because we are a family and because I love you, I take sin seriously in my own life. And I'm asking you to take it seriously in your life. Because when every time I resist temptation, every time I, I choose to wholeheartedly break an addiction, every time I get really serious about this stuff, I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I love my neighbor. Like I love you enough not to do it. And I love God enough not to do it. And I love my calling enough not to do it. All right, preacher, I'm ready to repent. What do I do? Okay, here's, here's number one. So I want you to be free. I want you, whatever that hiccup is, whatever that hang up is, whatever that addiction is, from, from anger to pride, to, to gambling, to lust. I, I don't know what it is. Racism, hatred, bigotry, I don't know what it is. Greed, you got something in your heart that you're like, man, I feel the Holy Spirit right now, man. And he's got his finger on that thing. And I, I feel the weight of it, preacher. What do I do? Okay, here's the number one. Confess to God quickly. Stop playing, stop playing games with it. 
Yes, I'm in covenant with God and I'm forgiven. But I also confess my sin to God, repenting of my sin, turning away from my sin, because I desire intimacy with God. I heard this week a a brilliant uh, preacher. Her name is Dr. Anita Phillips. And she said, guilt is a paralytic. Guilt and shame will paralyze you. So talk to God about it quickly. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So it's God calls it a sin, we call it a weakness. <laughs> God calls it a debt, we call it an issue. I even did it because I'm just a good American preacher. I'm like, if you got a hiccup or a hang-up, I do the same. We sugarcoat it. Well, I'll give it to you like the scripture because John's more bold than me. If you're saying you ain't got sin, you're fooling yourselves. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And if we claim we have not sinned, I'm a good person. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. We're calling God a liar. And showing that his word has no place in our hearts. That's the Bible, my friend Tori just said. That's the word. But if we confess, confess. This word confess means to say the same thing. Let me tell you what confessing to God looks like. God hears what you said about it, and that's what I'm going to say about it. I refuse to call this, I refuse to blame this heart issue on anybody else. I'm not going to blame it on my wife or my kids. I'm not going to blame it on my boss. I'm not going to blame it on my job. I'm not going to blame this desire to escape in, in whatever immorality you might be tempted with right now. I'm not placing blame. I'm going to say what you say. God, you said it's a sin. I'm calling it a sin. I'm just, I'm starting there with you, God. I'm going to say the same thing you say. See, immediately, freedom starts happening now. Because we're not not sugarcoating it. We're just getting real about it. And this is between you and the Lord. I'm going to say what you say about it. I'm going to say who I am. And who you call me, I'm going to say the same thing about what you desire. I'm going to say the same thing about who you call yourself. I'm going to make sure that my words, confess, are your words. See, and now there's, there's this agreement happening. How, how, how can anyone walk together unless they agree, the Bible said. Freedom from sin starts by agreeing with God. Freedom from sin starts when we just agree with God. God, I'm done making excuses, and I'm done playing the blame game. I confess. In other words, I'm going to say what you, I'm already forgiven. I'm going to heaven. I'm a child of the Most High God. The Father's qualified me, but I'm done calling this something that it is not. Because I want freedom. Not just forgiveness. I want freedom. I 
Imagine sinning or making a mistake against your spouse and telling them, well, we're in covenant, so you have to forgive me. You got the ring on, you signed the paper. That's a cold night in that house. Yeah, I know I forgot our anniversary, but you're stuck with me. What are you going to do, leave? No, I'm not going to leave, but you're being really mean. I, I think sometimes we do that with God. We're like, well, God, I'm good, right? Like, I'm going to heaven, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's no intimacy. Because you're, you're not saying the same thing God says. There's a language barrier. There's a heart barrier. And God's going like, yeah, I love you like crazy. You're amazing. I love you. I'm your father. But like this could be so fun. This could be so great. This could be such an adventure. You, you, you could love me. But you got to come to the same confession as him. Repentance. These are words we don't hear a lot. Repentance, confession. Yo, here's a phrase that's going to change your life. Godly sorrow. Oh, man, we're going to the Old Testament. Now let's go to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. Paul wrote the Corinthian church a letter, 1 Corinthians, and, and possibly even one before that, where he just... I mean, he just nails them. He's rebuking them on everything. He's so mad at them because they're following Jesus. They're full of the Holy Ghost. He, he, he said, you lack in no spiritual gift, but they were a mess. I mean, a, they were morally a mess. Corinth was like a religious Las Vegas. It was, it was Vegas with religion. So it wasn't just the prostitution. There was a temple prostitution. There wasn't just the, the, the out-of-control sex. It was, it was with temple worship. So Corinth was wild. And this group of people got gloriously saved, gloriously filled with the Holy Spirit. But man, that old life started creeping up. And they started going back to their life. So Paul writes them in 1 Corinthians and and. Theologians tell us probably another book where he just, I mean, he is mad. If you've never read 1 Corinthians, it's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow because Paul is frustrated. But now, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he's now explaining why he did it, and he's talking about their response. This is so cool. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. And results in salvation. Paul goes, I know, I know I came and I was angry. But that sorrow that it stirred in you is good because it's leading you away from sin. There's no, Paul goes, there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. In other words, I am not sorry I wrote that letter. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Shame without a change of direction, leads to spiritual death. Sorrow, without an action plan, leads to spiritual death. 
He, he's saying, y'all, if it's, if it's worldly sorrow, if it's just shame, if it's just feeling bad to feel bad, but there's no repentance, there's no change of mind, it's just going to lead to spiritual death. But just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. In other words, man, yeah, there was some like, whoa, I got to get right with God. But it led to repentance. And look, such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves or to, man, I'm getting that out of my life. Such indignation. Such alarm. This, this is, Paul's saying, this is good. You, you, you woke up and were like, oh my gosh, this is bad. I got to get this out of my spirit. Such longing to see me, such zeal and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. Not guilt, repentance. Not shame, change. Not hating yourself, loving God. That took way too long. Number two, I got to keep going. Confess to a friend frequently. Hello, everybody. Confess to a friend frequently. James chapter 5. Is any one of you among, among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Are you, are you hearing among? Are you hearing family? Are you hearing our father? Are you hearing... Our debts, are, are you here in the family? Are you here in this? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Again, you got to keep it real. <laughs> and pray for one another that you will be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Okay. Back in the day, I grew up in, in Pentecost. And back in the day, we, uh, we in youth group, I don't know if you all know about youth group. That's like where the teenagers go to church on Wednesday night. And uh, in youth group, we used to have to have an accountability partner. Let's go. Y'all know about Y'all don't know about accountability partners in 2020. And you had to find an accountability partner to confess to and talk to. And, you know, it, it, was, it was always, you know, guy, guy, girl, girl. You know, you, you couldn't be a guy and confess to a girl. And, like, you know, there was all these pr protocol. And, and you had to have an accountability partner. My buddy growing up, Philip Ortiz, he was my accountability partner. <laughs> it's weird now to say it, huh? Church is weird. Can I tell you? I think I'm saved today. I think I'm following Jesus today because of Philip Ortiz, my accountability partner. Because when you're going down the road of stupid, because you're 16, 17, 18, and you're an idiot, right? Because, well, maybe not you, but I was, right? And then your accountability partner goes, hey, stop. <laughs> and you go, oh, yeah, my bad. And you talk and you pray and you, and you do what the scripture says. James said, confess your sins. It is very, there is a very thin line between finding true accountability and finding a person that you can share secrets with. 
but you or them do not call it sin. And you think you're being accountable. And you got it off your chest, but you're not free. And you're not free because you won't call it sin. You won't call it what God calls it. But you found a homie to talk to, and you're keeping it real, kind of. You're keeping it real-ish. It's kind of real. Like, so you leave the conversation like, yeah, 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 yeah I'm accountable. I'm a you're not accountable because you never even called it what it's called. And you chose to find a person that doesn't know any better. And they're not spiritually mature enough to go, mm, I smell something here. <laughs> and you got to have someone spiritually strong enough, a friend to go, hey, you know, let's keep, the, let's keep it real. Let's call it sin because it's a sin. Let's call it, I'm talking about confess to a friend frequently. You've got to have people. I have people in my life. Robbie Hilton, Pastor Robbie Hilton, Pastor David Hall, Pastor Taylor Shear, Pastor Kyle Turner. I could keep going. I have friends that if I even start acting up, they're like, I don't know what's up with you, but if you don't stop now, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm accountable. I've got a board that I'm accountable to. I've got people that... They will eat my lunch. You, you, this is how you stay free. Stop settling for a Christianity where you feel bad every once in a while. Stop settling for a Christianity of forgiveness but not freedom. But you cannot be free alone because this is our sin. And I've got... I've got to carry this with you, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carrying each other's burdens. And in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. I, I cannot be free alone. I need somebody, and you need somebody. I confess to God for forgiveness, but I confess to a person for healing. And have we not messed that up? Has religion not messed that up? I confess to God for forgiveness. I go to God and I say what God says, but then I go to my brother for healing because the Bible says, what did the Bible says? Uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess that you may be healed. So see, our vision is really simple. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And that finding freedom, you cannot find freedom alone. It's going to take community. It's going to take conversations. It's going to take accountability. It's going to take a brother or sister in Christ helping you along the journey. I, I want you to be free because some of you, you feel such condemnation about your struggles. But condemnation will always live outside of community. But community is a condemnation killer. Because you get on the journey with somebody, you talk to somebody, you pray with somebody, and you get freedom. Lastly, we can have the keys come up. I'm sorry I'm preaching so long today. Give away the forgiveness you have received. This will probably be another week, but let me just start the conversation. Forgive us our debts. And now that I've received, because I cannot give what I do not possess, I cannot give what I do not possess. But now that I've received forgiveness, 
Now I can forgive those who have sinned against me, who are indebted to me, who have trespassed against me. I believe no doubt this is why Jesus starts in the order he starts with. We should now be on a journey of prayer before we ever get to this place. We've gone on a journey that has gotten us to, to an actual point of faith and an actual point of an open heart where we can actually go, okay, Lord, I want to forgive this person. I can't start my prayer there. I can't start prayer there. When I first start praying, I'm all worldly and funky and tired. and Or I, I am. And I'm just kind of getting in the spirit. I'm just kind of getting. But now after I've been praying through the Lord's prayer, I'm now at a point where I go, okay, God, I don't want this anymore in my life. I'm ready to forgive those who have sinned against me, who have a debt against me, who trespass against me. I don't start there. But now I'm in a place of prayer where I can come to the point of spiritual faith and spiritual strength where I can say, God, I'm ready to let this go. I'm ready to forgive. And now I can, now I can actually fulfill, I can actually obey Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviors. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I can't just start there. Did y'all just hear that scripture? I'm reading that scripture. I'm like, impossible, Jesus. And he's like, it is. Without the moving of the Holy Spirit, without a journey of prayer, without intimacy with the Father, without receiving forgiveness and trusting the Father's love, absolutely impossible. But by the power of the Holy Spirit and by a revelation of God's love for you and God's forgiveness of you and, and, and your own dealings of sin in your own life, I can now come to the point where I go, I want to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. Because I have received, because I have loved, because I am healed, I now give away. I now forgive my debtors. To forgive is to release. To forgive is to let go. I don't get there flippantly or casually, but on this journey of prayer, I'm telling you there are people I have forgiven that I would have never believed I could forgive. And it did not happen overnight. It did not happen from one sermon. It happened through a journey of prayer with Almighty God that got me to the place where I could go, God, I'm tired of holding this against them. I'm, I'm tired of this. I need grace to fill that gap. I need, and I've been able to forgive, and I've been able to be free. You can too. You can too.
Not easy, not easy, not easy. But possible by the grace of God. But I promise you, if you're trying to pay your own debts, like the first century Jewish leaders, you'll make other people pay their debts to you. But the moment you receive forgiveness, it's the moment you can give forgiveness. I hope you don't feel beat up today. I hope you don't feel condemned today. I really don't. I, I, but I hope if there is an issue in your heart right now and you're going, I want to be free, you can be free. Like for real. And it's going to take talking to God. It's going to take talking to a brother or sister. It's going to take a journey. It's going to take honesty. Oh, but you can do it. And the, and the thing that the devil's screaming at you right now, and he's going, you will never be free. I promise you, you can look back in six months to a year and go, I don't even recognize myself. Look what God's done in my life. I'm telling you, it can happen. I got a room full of people in this, in this room right now saying amen to me because they know it's true. And I got people in the chat right now. I know you're typing amen going, that's me. That's my testimony. I'm telling you. But it doesn't happen by like that, those religious leaders like trying. No. It happens by intimacy, confession. It happens by family. It happens by connecting. And then from that place, I, I can't help but forgive can't help but love. I can't help but show grace because of what God's done for me. So Father, seal your word now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, illuminate every area of our life that you would like to set us free in. Not worldly sorrow, not shame or condemnation, but just the reality that you want to set us free. And so we, we choose to lay on the, on the doctor's table. Letting our healer, letting our great physician do a work, do a surgery. Taking out all the junk from our spirit so that we can be free. We trust you to do that. There are people now watching and you don't even, you don't even know the Lord. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your heart to him. Pray with me now. Don't try to do this on your own. Don't try to do this by works. Receive his forgiveness now. Pray pray with me. Pray something like this as I pray. More than the words, though, let your heart be open to God. With the heart of repentance towards God. God will absolutely hear your cry. Say something along these lines. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me on the cross. And I believe you rose again. I turn from my old life. I repent of my sin. And I turn to you. Today I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. And I will never be the same. Amen and amen and amen. If you just prayed that prayer, tell somebody right now. If you're around somebody, tell them, I just gave my life to Christ. If you just rededicated your life, tell them, I just rededicated my life to Christ. If you've never been water baptized, tell them, let's go right now. Let's go find a pool. And I want to get water baptized and I want to show the whole world that I've died to my old life. I've been raised in a new life. Tell somebody about, about it right now. 
and begin this walk with Jesus. Our, our MC will give you more info about some of your next steps that you can take, but it's the best day of your life. Well, I hope this is, uh, hope this has been a good word for you. I hope it's building your faith. I'm, I'm loving this series. Can't wait to continue it next week. Stay connected to us, and um, we'll see you real soon. I really love you. I really miss you, and I can't wait till we can see each other face-to-face again. I'm, I'm praying it soon, and, uh, but until then, stay connected online. Okay, love you guys so much. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.